Lord, thank you for loving us with such deep, deep love. The love that only a genuine, true father could have for his children to provide the ways for reconciliation, redemption, and restoration that you have done so through your son Jesus and his death on the cross. And we pray, Father, that tonight that our hearts would burst with the glory and joy that comes from our salvation. And we ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you look at our first song that we're going to be singing here, Jesus' Blood and Righteousness, it's actually a Moravian hymn from about the mid-1700s. And the thing that's important about the Moravians is they were a group who were persecuted and suffered much, starting with the Reformation and Martin Luther in the 1500s all the way through their existence in Germany. So their songs often communicate this sense of suffering and persecution, but at the same time they held to this strong zeal for evangelism. And their songs also express this. And this song will do both for us tonight, I think, capturing the essence of what the Moravian brothers and sisters believed and lived and practiced in their day. The soldiers brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. They offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier and his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see whose it will be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. It was the third hour, which is 9 a.m., when they crucified Jesus. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests and the scribes and elders mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him. One of the criminals who was hanging railed him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds? 
but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So as we sing our next two songs, the first one, O Sacred Head Now Wounded, was brought to us by the German hymnist Paul Gerhardt. He actually translated it from a Latin poem from the Middle Ages. So what we sing as a hymn today started out as a Gregorian chant by monks in the 1300s. That's how far back the richness of this song goes and the truth it is proclaiming. And then we followed up with a modern hymn just from the recent decade. When the sixth hour, which is noon, had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, To fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened. Many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and came out of the tombs. After his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what had took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this is the Son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, Salam, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it was born witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken, and again another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. The next two songs we're going to sing are hymns written by Isaac Watts. Isaac Watts was a really critical and important hymn composer, British hymn composer in the 1700s. What Watts did was really transformational, not just for hymn writing, and, but for church worship music as well throughout England and even into today. But what stands out about Watts is just how rich his hymns are. And, and this was his own personal philosophy as he wrote hymns. The song of the New Testament church should express the gospel of the New Testament, whether in psalm versions or in freely composed hymns. And every time Watts set to write a song, he had the gospel at the center of his message. 
in his lyrics, and so were these songs. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open them up to Isaiah chapter 53. We're just going to look at, well, kind of going to just look at one verse. Those of you who know me know that that's quite impossible for me to look at just one verse, but I'm going to stick pretty close to just one verse. Well, relatively close to one verse. Well, kind of in the same ballpark as one verse. (laughs) Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. Let's pray together here, my friends. Lord, how is it that we could gain such an interest in a love so divine, in such a, such a gift that you would die for us. But yet, Lord, you've done so. And we pray, Lord, that tonight the realization of what you have bought us will sink and seep deep into the deepest crevices of our hearts. And we, O Lord, would truly worship you in glory and joy for what you have given us. And we ask it, Lord, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So, Look, I, I feel this too. The crucifixion is just an uncomfortable subject. It's hard to look at. It's hard to read about. It's hard to think about why it had to happen. But why did it happen? The crucifixion of Jesus is troubling because of its brutality. The descriptions cannot be avoided or ignored. They are bloodthirsty. Everyone cringes when they read it, and even more so when we see it played out on the screen. We just, I just want to look away and not deal with it. It's too brutal. Yet, our avoidance of the crucifixion is more than the grotesqueness of it. We subconsciously know it was for us that Jesus suffered this inhumane abuse, and perhaps the sense of guilt or remorse We feel knowing it was for us and specifically in our place that he experienced this is what brings us the most discomfort. The words of Isaiah, the seven centuries before that Good Friday, tell us the reason Jesus had to suffer and die on a cross. He was wounded for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. His substitutionary act means that we need to experience, we needed to experience punishment for our transgressions. We have not done anything that bad, we often think, not so bad to deserve the brutality that Jesus experienced. We haven't. We all have a bent to diminish the significance. Look, I have a bent to diminish the significance of what I have done. We all tend to downplay it as not that bad until it happens to us. Then it's a crime against our humanity. Right? We are quick to demand justice from others, but not so much for ourselves. 
And this hypocrisy betrays us. It betrays me. Our expectations when we are the victims show we really do understand the seriousness of our actions when we are the perpetrator. We know we need saving from our iniquities. We just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. But as uncomfortable as all that is, looking at the crucifixion shows us God's love. The crucifixion shows us the Father's deep, deep love for us. It displays his love for us in that he gave his only son, the perfect sinless one, to save us from our disobedience and rebellion of him. All those things we want to pass over for when we do it, but demand justice for when it is done to us. It also shows Jesus' great love for us. Jesus could have walked away. I mean, he even asked God the Father not to make him do this when Jesus talked with the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. At any moment, even while he was on the cross, at any moment, Jesus could have pulled the eject cord and punched out. But he didn't. Remember, if you're not convinced that he could have pulled the eject cord at any moment, remember what he told Peter when Peter drew his sword at the arrest of Jesus? Do you think I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send more than 12 legions of angels? Because we don't really understand what a Roman legion is. We kind of miss it. A friend of mine who is a, who was a, a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force and then served at the Pentagon explained it to me this way. He said a, a Roman legion is like an aircraft carrier task force. It projects power everywhere it goes. And when someone's acting stupid... It suddenly shows up off their coast the next morning and they stop acting stupid. That's what a Roman legion did in Jesus' day. It showed up when people were rattling their sabers and all of a sudden all you could find were hoes. Twelve aircraft carriers could have shown up at any moment at Jesus' simple command. Yet, he didn't pull the eject cord. He didn't call for the 12 legions of angels. He just finished the redeeming love that he wrought for us on the cross. And he did it so that we, you and I, could be reconciled to the Father and to each other. We often think about the reconciliation between us and the Father that Jesus accomplishes on the cross and through his resurrection But we forget he's also accomplishing reconciliation between us because his acts of love and his loving kindness and his redeeming work makes it possible for us to forgive each other and be reconciled to each other when we are in conflict with each other. But he finished this work. He finished this redeeming love so that we could be reconciled to the Father and to each other, which brings us right back to Isaiah chapter 53, to the end of this chapter, verses 11 and 12. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, 
I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Even on the cross, Jesus made intercession for the transgressors. He interceded for the one thief. And that by itself is miraculously enough that on the cross, he would extend salvation and forgiveness and the promise of eternal glories with this thief, this transgressor while he's hanging on the cross. But that's not enough for Jesus. It's not enough for Jesus just to extend forgiveness to the other person hanging on a cross beside him. Jesus has to extend it to the ones who are crucifying him. Father, forgive them for they do not understand what they do. And you want to know the really stunning part to me? That Father, forgive them for they don't understand what they're doing also extends to the other transgressor on the other side of Jesus that was mocking him and taunting him. Now, I don't know if this guy had any kind of confession of faith. He certainly sounds like a reprobate that never believed in who Jesus really was. But Jesus still asked the Father to forgive him too. This guy is like trash and he's mocking you while you're hanging there and all the pain and the blood running out of your body. And you will say, Father, forgive them because he doesn't know what he's doing. How? How? Where does that kind of love, where does that kind of, that kind of mercy emanate from? There is nothing human that is capable of that kind of mercy and love. If all the other things that happened in Jesus' life and everything recorded in the Gospels up until the moment of his crucifixion doesn't prove he is the Messiah, these simple acts of the things he did hanging on the cross with blood running out of his body can only be explained as someone who is divine, with divine love. He is who he says he is, and he is worthy of our faith, of our worship, and he's worthy of our trust. Even in the darkest of days, and even in the most difficult of times, because his love extends beyond our ability to comprehend it and even to receive it. Well, you can guess where this goes next. So what? Thank you for your opining and philosophical understandings of love and Middle Eastern practices of crucifixion, but so what? The first one is very simple. Believe Jesus was wounded for your transgressions and crushed for your iniquities and receive the gift of love that Jesus' death on the cross purchased us. If you've never trusted him for the first time, now is the day. This is the time of your salvation to receive everything you've been singing about since you walked in the door. And for those of us who've already believed, my plea to you is to fully receive the gift he purchased for you on the cross. 
well, what do you mean? Of course I've received the gift. I've trusted in Christ. I've said that in front of the church family and I've been baptized in the water. I got all the way under. I got completely soaking wet. There's nothing left for me to receive, is there? Are you living like Jesus paid it all or are you living like Jesus paid three quarters and you got to come up with another quarter to pay it off? Are you living like you've been washed clean by the blood of the lamb? Are you living like you still got some dirt? Are you living like you are free because the son has set you free? Only you can answer these questions. And my plea to you, my brothers and sisters, is to receive fully his gift of redemption and cleansing from his work on the cross. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are no longer condemned, no matter what you did. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. And by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Romans 8 verses 1 through 4. He bore the sin of many and makes intercessions for the transgressors. Every day when we confess our sins, he cleanses us anew. His blood never runs out of its efficacious power for you and I. Live in that reality, glory in that reality. And now, brothers and sisters, I call out to you to sing in glorious truth of that reality that he died for us. Hallelujah. When evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who had not consented to their decision and action, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. When he learned from the centurion that Jesus was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, at about 75 pounds in weight. Joseph bought a linen shroud, and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden was Joseph's own new tomb, so they laid Jesus there. They rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb, and Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, saw the tomb and how Jesus' body was laid. They returned to prepare spices and ointments 
and on the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. These next two hymns we're going to sing, the first one, Were You There? It's most likely it was a Negro spiritual from the colonial period. And so as we sing this, you want to sing, you know, you really want to kind of have a little mojo and a little soul as you're singing this one. And then the next one uh, is one of our modern hymns, again, from just even our own, own decade. Brothers and sisters, just uh, thank you for being here tonight. I don't know. If, I sure hope that you were blessed because this was a glorious, this was glorious for me. This was just pure joy to sing the glories of Jesus and to taste the sweetness of his love again. Amen. So as we go out here this evening, it's Friday night and Jesus is in the grave. But Sunday's coming. But Sunday's coming. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for this great gift of our time together, worshiping you and glorifying in your work and redeeming love. And now, O oh Father, we pray that you would just carry us forth by the power of your spirit in the joy of our salvation for our good and for the hope of those who we come in contact with tonight and tomorrow. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Be blessed, my brothers and sisters. See you Sunday morning.